Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome to Hope for Today. My name is Najee E. Brown, your host. And we thank you for your support and participation. Hope for Today is an outreach program of Yield to the King Ministry. And our hope and prayer for our listening audience is that you hear something that is encouraging, life-altering, or prompting you to study the Word of God. We welcome your comments anytime. And you can reach us through our website at www.yieldtothekingministry.org. Well, welcome to today's episode entitled, True Leadership Comes from Knowing Self. And we have in our studio a special guest, and I'm going to let him introduce himself. Well, hi, Nigel, and hi, everyone. My name is Hilke Farber. I'm really grateful to be uh, on this wonderful show uh, to help understand a bit more about um, what what we do and what I do in, in the book Taming Your Crocodiles, which is about true leadership. My my background is I'm I'm originally from uh, from the Netherlands and um, I live in Seattle and I'm really happy to be here today. Oh, Hilka, welcome, 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 and I am so grateful that you took time out of your busy schedule to come into the studio today and to share with our listening audience. So with that, I usually like to start with reading the promotional material. So our episode is entitled, True Leadership Comes from Knowing Self. And I'm going to read the promotional material. Believe it or not, leadership just doesn't happen. It takes hard work, grooming, self-examination, humility, coaching, and the willingness to grow self. The book of Numbers says Joshua had a spirit of leadership, and that's found in Numbers chapter 27, verse 18. God prepared him to lead others. Do you wish to be a leader of yourself or others? If so, then you must know yourself. Be honest and ask yourself these questions. Do I resist change or am I a change agent? Do I prefer to work in a silo or do I like to collaborate? Do I forgive easily? Who inspires me? Will I be transformed so I can transform others? And today we're going to hear from Hilka Faber, leader of Constancy and Growth Leaders Network. And as he's already mentioned, he's from the Netherlands. He's born, born in the Netherlands and is based in the United States, Seattle, Washington, in an area that is also known as the Pacific Northwest. So, Hilka, welcome again. And I'm just going to jump right in because you've got a lot of information to share. So tell us, what was it like growing up in the Netherlands? And what was significant about your childhood? And then what brought you to the United States? Uh, uh, Great question. So, uh, first of all, let me say I love the United States and the Pacific Northwest. It's so beautiful. And actually, it reminds me a lot of, of the Netherlands. I grew up on a farm there um, with many more cows than people around me most of the time. And uh, I really liked 
the sense of like the fields and the beautiful church steeples and the sort of the mystery of the open landscapes of the very north of the Netherlands called Friesland, which is a separate region within the Netherlands. And um, uh-huh. I, I, I learned so much while I was there. I, I'd say um, what sticks out today is this awe for nature and the awe for beauty and and I would say the awe for for being yourself. Like I think part of being a farmer means having your two feet on the ground and firmly planted in, you know, the seasons and what's going on. And um, nature is very oh. precise in that. So I think I learned something about that as well. And maybe something else is about um, work ethic. The Dutch are uh-huh. um, mostly hard workers. And it's in part, and when you live on a farm, you kind of have to pull your weight. And it's uh, it's every day. The cows want to be milked every day, twice at least, you know. Oh, that's, uh, that's a bit about so, where I'm from. And go ahead, Nigel. Did did you grow up uh, and, and with your uh, family and have chores at the wee hours in the morning, like 5 a.m., where you had to go gather the eggs and milk the cows? Is is that a part of your story being brought up on a farm? I I'd say I definitely did my fair share of chores. Uh, uh, even though my parents were very kind in not having me do like super early or super late stuff. So I had a regular uh-huh. regular life that way. But yeah, I definitely did my fair share of the fair of the chores. And, and I, I enjoyed a lot of that actually. And, and of course there were also parts that like I was, I was on that farm um, often having this sense of like what's behind the sea dike, which I could see in the, in the distance or, you know, what's, What's what's in the distance? What is there? And so I was always very curious about what what lay beyond the horizon. So and that's that's kind of what started my search, you could say, to which in the end uh-huh. led me to to the to the U.S. I, I went to the U.S. Uh, to go to grad school, um, and uh, I was not going to stay here because I thought, you know, um, it's it's. Uh, it's a, it's the U.S. and I still had a bit of the snobbish European perspective about what that would mean, and then um, <laughs> I ended up in New York City and I really loved it here. So, so yeah, the, the sense of like I have to explore the world and I have to explore who I am, and the world uh-huh. can teach me about that. It's, it's been a big part of my story. Great, and I know that you are also a world traveler because you and I have had other conversations about where we've been, but. Hilka, that's probably another podcast that we could do at another time. So you also, English is your second language, is that right? What is your native language that you, that you uh, grew up speaking? My, my native language is Frisian, uh, so which is uh-huh. a local language in the Netherlands. Uh, and then the okay. second language is Dutch, and the third language is English. Yeah, so. Okay. Frisian, right. Frisian was yep. the language spoken. Maybe you know about Peter Stuyvesant, the, one of the first mayors of New York City. He comes from that yes. region. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. So yeah. All right. Well, that's a good connection. Okay. So, uh, you you have a company. If, if I if I'm I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly, Constancy. That's right. That's right. Yep. And. Okay, Constancy and the Growth Leaders Network. So tell us a little bit about the services that you provide and what your role is in the company. Yeah, I mean, maybe the best way to explain it is how I got to do this work. Because Constancy and Growth Leaders Network are 
are like um, coaching and facilitation companies that basically work on the consciousness of, of people in organizations, you know, so help on being more of who we are where we spend a lot of our time, which is at work, yeah? And, um, yes. and I got to that because I, uh, as part of my sort of earlier years, I, I used to work in strategy consulting in, in New York City, and I loved part of the job, but also part of it didn't quite seem like me. And at some point, I developed pretty intense insomnia and um, actually the way out of that I found through meditation. And then I almost okay. became a monk and then decided not to do that because I felt that this peace and um, sense of ease and, and compassion and love that I was finding on the meditation cushion was something that I felt would be accessible and should be accessible wherever we are. And, and since we spent so much time at work, I figured why not try to bring that peace and compassion and wisdom that we have um, when we meditate or when we pray, why don't we not try to bring that into the workplace? So that's how my interest in coaching and facilitation and culture development got, uh, got started. And that's really what Constancy and the Growth Leaders Network are about. It's about helping people as individuals, as teams, and as collectives access this authentic being power, you could say, in ourselves and develop that. It's, a, it's an ongoing journey. Mm. That, that's beautiful because uh, we do spend a lot of work, a lot of time at work with our coworkers. You know, some people work 10-hour shifts, 12-hour shifts. Most of us who are 8-hour, 40-hour weekers, you know, we end up working 50, maybe even 60 hours a week. And when you said that you almost became a monk, monks were always isolated. And whatever they had access to, the peace, the calm, you know, the, the tranquility, it was a kind of an isolated, uh, this is my, my vision, kind of an isolated session, you know, uh, area. And to bring it to the workplace, which could have the vision of just a hustle and bustle, I mean, I that that's really something that's needed in the workplace, and I can see where it would really go a long way for the people who who work hard and give of themselves day in and day out. So that that's that's beautiful. And what so what is your role with Constancy? Uh, well, my role in in both places is really uh, actually working as a coach and facilitator. So you find me a lot, like I am today, in. Um, a corporate office somewhere uh, in, a, in a conference room or in a hotel where you know, I work with groups of people or one-on-one and we go through these what we call growth leadership workshops or growth workshops where people basically learn about themselves with specific tools that are about fears and values and they learn ways of communicating authentically and they work, learn ways of coaching each other and inspiring the the systems they're part of to uh, this culture of, of self-discovery, where self-discovery becomes like a big part of how people think. Like, you know, I've, I've got a new team. Okay, so how can we be a little bit more of ourselves as we build the norms for this new team? Um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I have this, this new organization or this organization I've been working with for, for years, and we've got thousands of people and we're not customer-centric enough. Now, how can we uh-huh. let go of some of our fears, which we then call crocodiles, that's basically a shorthand for the 
reptilian-based survival mechanisms, yes. you could say. How can we become conscious of those and let go of those so that our, our you could say, our truer self, our higher self, that is naturally prone to be caring and therefore customer-centered, how can that come to the surface and how can we make some agreements to make that happen? So a lot of what I do is coaching and facilitation and, um, and consulting, helping people with that. And then there's a group of facilitators that I work with that basically learn the what we call growth leadership network or growth leadership uh, or taming your crocodiles methodology so that uh-huh. they can, you know, we could together do these projects. And, and so that's what I do day to day. That's great. And that's a good segue into us talking about your book. So you authored a book this year entitled Taming Your Crocodiles, Unlearn Fear, and Become a True Leader. So I want you to tell everyone where this book is, how they can obtain your book, and then I'm going to ask you a question about how it is that you ended up authoring this book this year. So where can, where can our listening audience go to obtain your book? Okay, well, the easiest way to get Taming Your Crocodiles is by going on Amazon.com, and that's worldwide. And in some countries, like the Netherlands, where I'm from, there's also other websites and and, um, like Ball.com and other websites that that sell it. And, of course, you can also find it in bookstores. So that's the the easiest way to to get get the book. And it's available both in in print and in in, uh, Kindle version. Okay, so, and I believe there's a there's a link also an Amazon link in the built into the uh, embedded I should say in in the promotional material. So taming your crocodiles, unlearn fear, and become a true leader. So Hilka, did you ex- aspire to write a book, or did this opportunity just present itself at the perfect time in your life? Ah, well. <laughs> <laughs> what a great question. <laughs> you, Naja, you kind of know what I'm going to say, I think, because it's, it's, it, is, it is definitely not something that I willed, that was willed for me or through me. Or okay. That, that's how I see it, yeah? And, okay. and okay. we all know that. So that's kind of how that, these things seem to work. Um, yes. So, yes, I've always loved writing. Um, I've been uh, coached by many coaches for the last 20 years, pretty much weekly. Um, I've done so, lots of practice, lots of writing. Yeah? And so at some point during coaching and consulting, there was this course that emerged uh, called Leader as Coach, which I still teach at the Leaders uh, at the Columbia Business School Executive Education. It's an in-person uh-huh. online course. And, and that course has different sort of parts to it, you know, growing ourselves, growing others, and growing the system. And, and then I started to write some articles in the same vernacular um, with a professor from Tuck and Harvard called Vijay Govindarajan. And uh, in these articles, I started to explore some of the great leaders like FDR and Mandela and others about what we can learn from them about being ourselves. And, and so all of that came together. And at some point, I was like, oh, it would be great to have a book that can support all the work that we do and to also share some of the insights uh-huh. Um, that people are having because what I found and I was, you know, I continuously be surprised myself, like what happens when I or, and we in a collective give ourselves over to this journey of self-discovery, like there's new stuff to be learned every day. And it's, 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 it's oh. so moving. It's so inspiring. Right. 
So it's like, oh, it like, I, I had to sort of face my own crocodiles. Like this sense of, I used to think you can only transmit wisdom in a room face-to-face, you know, or you need to be very uh-huh. special. Or you can only transmit wisdom when you're um, in an online setting, but maybe that works as well, you know, but you have to be there uh-huh. yourself, yeah? And, 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 or you have to be a very special person. And, and then I started realizing, well, a lot of the, the learnings that I'm having happen in all kinds of ways, so why not write a book and see what happens? And um, huh. and so it felt like an intuition was sort of like once that sort of that seed was planted, I was kind of bewitched, you could say, like taken by uh-huh. and um, uh-huh. and so uh, you could say possessed. And then I um, and then I went to Iceland for two weeks um, a few years ago, and in the middle of the winter. And I was in a little farm there, and that's where I wrote the book, at least the first draft of it. And that took two years to, to, to finalize it and refine it. But that's how it all came into being. And I tell you, so many times along the way, I was like, okay, well, I'll just keep this to myself. Or we'll just keep this to <laughs> the particular. But, and then, interestingly, once the, once the book was written, no, uh-huh. I had no idea who would publish it. Um, suddenly, we got an inquiry on the Growth Leaders Network uh, website from uh, a publisher that said, hey, do you guys have a book? Because we'd love what you do. And can you, do you have something that we could publish? <laughs> he says, well, wow. That's <laughs> <laughs> wow. So a book. We're just looking for a publisher. And so that's, and that's been great. So they're, they're, they're called Dover Publication. They're wonderful to work with. And that's, that's how it's been evolving. And Naja, I have to say, this is one of the big crocodiles that I'm still learning, you know, that I, I'm, that I think I'm learning my entire life is to really trust life because part of me does. Yes. You know, I think I have to do it all myself. So. Yes, yes. So you keep mentioning crocodiles and versus owls, and we're going to get to that. But I just want to say that you and I put the promotional material together, and we mentioned that Bloomberg recommended your book as one of the 10 best books on leadership in 2008. 18, and that's incredible. That's quite a compliment for a first-time writer, so I just want to say congratulations to you. And the book is an excellent read, I must say. I did browse it, and then I went through it and read more detail to prepare for our episode today. And uh, it would be useful to anyone who desires to be a leader of themselves or others. So I just want to put that plug in for it your book. And then what stood out for me is the prompting to look inward and to know thyself, to know ourself. And I know that you have more to say about that. But I just want to bring out to to the audience's attention that in your introduction, you start off with tough questions such as, who am I truly and how am I growing? And then you go on to say that we make ourselves When we make ourselves our primary field of study, we guarantee ourselves a course of discoveries that lasts a lifetime. Self-discovery motivates. Self-discovery is not a destination, you say. And then it's an endless journey. I love that. And we are never done discovering who we really are and how to serve from that place. So overall, uh, you know, not not a huge summary, but overall, I think your book suggests a path for our growth and why we should let go of what we think we know about ourselves and be open to a new experience of self. So this is the 
question I want you to, uh, to, to, to provide an answer for our listening audience. For the people who might not be ready to do what is, it takes to answer the question, who am I truly, what is the benefit of letting go and being open to a true self? And then as you respond to that, can you go into a little more depth about the analogy of listening to our crocodiles versus our owl and when to know which one is talking? And we've got about 10 minutes to do this with a few more questions. So I'll turn it over to you, Hilka. Okay, great. Well, let's get into it. So why worry or why care, not even worry, why care about this question, who am I truly? So uh-huh. uh, I, I, I'm not going to convince anyone, but I'll ask all of us a question. You know, when you see a picture, a group picture, and you're in it, you know, who's the first person that you look at in that picture and you see that picture? <laughs> well, you know, the light. Yes. You know, <laughs> Right? You know, and <laughs> yes. it's like, oh, that's a little bit embarrassing. Or, 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 or that's really fascinating that we are drawn to look at ourselves. Uh-huh. And we can say, well, that's egoic and bad. Or we can say, well, that's part of our inner wiring. We are like fascinated if we're really honest with who, what we are, you know. And maybe it starts with like, do I look good or not so good? Or do I fit in and all this stuff that we ask ourselves. But then at some point, it, we start to become curious. Like we get a little older or maybe very early in life, we start like, what is this? What is it that I am? Uh-huh. Who is it that I am? And why do I feel this way when I meet this? Or when I feel, why do I feel so terrible when this happens and so great when this happens? And where do I feel at home here and not at home there? Why, why is this happening? Right? And, and, and we can think, well, that's something for, for home, not for work. But we spend so much uh-huh. time at work. So if we are spending the majority of our waking hours in our lives at work, not being awake to who we are, then, you know, we're asleep. And that hurts because when we're not, a, yes. when we're not in our true selves, right, when we are, or we, we have no anchor, we are being tossed and turned by we got good feedback, we feel good, we got bad feedback, we feel bad, we have a conflict, we uh-huh. feel horrible, we, we, we won, we feel great. So to, to take ourselves off the, the rat race, the, the hamster wheel of the ups and downs of work uh-huh. and be able to make work actually much more enjoyable, it helps to be anchored in understanding more who we are, so what we stand for. You could say that's one way to look at it. Besides the innate wiring of wanting to know the answer. Like there's, I, I, I don't want to convince anybody, but I do know that before I die, I'd like to have a really good sense of what I am, you know, uh-huh. that's, uh-huh. that's maybe a reason to look, a reason to look. And the other thing I will say is what I find is the more I am myself, yeah, the more I'm able to actually be of service because uh-huh. the more I'm attuned to me, the more I can, can be attuned to you. The more I touch my own depth, the more I can touch your depth. And that that seems to how that how that works. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Absolutely. Uh, it, it's it's knowing self, but knowing self allows you to get beyond self, so that you can be uh, responsive and attentive to other people. Yes, it makes perfect sense. I like that. Yes, yes. So, 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 the, so the, the the go ahead and and tell us about the crocodiles versus the owls. We've got about six minutes left. Okay. Okay. So then. So then. 
as we get to know in ourselves, we look, get to look inside of ourselves, we find things that you could say help us and things that get in the way. Yeah? Uh-huh. And so to, and, and to, to simplify it, you could say to, to, to give ourselves some markers, some, some, some beacons that we can hold on to as we go on this journey into self, it helps to know what we want to go towards and what we want to move away from. Yeah? And so yes. crocodiles is simply a metaphor for the reactive reptilian-based part of our internal consciousness, which you could say is, is related to our amygdala, the fight-flight-freeze mechanisms of our nervous system that uh-huh. are, are, have, have one orientation, and that's, that's survival. And it's both physical survival and emotional survival of our ego. Now, there's nothing wrong with that, that we want to physically and emotionally survive. It's very healthy that we want to do that. It's, it's uh-huh. the, the, the metaphor the crocodile says is, and just know when you're driven by that. So tame your crocodile so it doesn't run your life, right? So you don't, if, if a crocodilian prof- uh, tendency might be, I have to be perfect, I have to please, I have to control, I have to know the answers. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I have to be the best, whatever it might be. I have to know that these programs might be running so I can tame them so they don't, don't have to, you know, run the conversation, run how I lead, how I interact with my colleagues, how I do my work. And then once we start to tame them, we start to become more open to the parts of ourselves, which you can call our all, which have to do with more of our enlightened self, our our heart center, our prefrontal cortices, our wisdom, our, our the, like the expansive immensity that we're, that we're capable of human beings. So that's what the idea of traveling from owl to crocodile, from crocodile to owl is about. You could say it's bringing the crocodiles under the ages of the owl. Uh-huh. That's the way oh. to think about it. Yeah. Hmm. I like that. I like that. In the beginning of Chapter 3, you have a quote that says, stop being afraid of what could go wrong and think about what could go right. And the author of that quote is unknown. And your book touches on fear and its debilitating effects. Can you explain to us real quickly how fear limits leadership? So fear... Um, as we said, fear is, 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 a, is, is a very natural and healthy part of our system because it helps us physically survive. But uh-huh. when the fear is about our emotional survival, um, we have no tigers or things in the office that are about to eat us, then we sort of start to live in this hallucinating world where we, we fear things. We fear being rejected. We fear getting it wrong. We fear... Um, not being liked, we fear not knowing the answer, whatever it might be, and we start uh, operating from those fears. Yeah? So when we look underneath of all of our behaviors, we can find that the root cause of a lot of our, let's say, less constructive, more aggressive, more defensive behaviors are uh, about fears. So that's why we, we, we use fear as an orientation point to look at and say, hey, do I want to be driven by fear today? or something that I really want to stand for, which may have something to do with my heart and my values. That's why, Um. in a nutshell, I believe fear is about uh, a score to being a leader. And the other thing I'll say about that quickly is um, leadership comes from the Middle English word lead, which means to die. Yeah. 
So uh-huh. we could say true leadership is about having the courage to face and let go of any of those fear-based beliefs that are keeping me small and keeping me me-centric and not truly of service to my colleagues, to my clients, and other people in my society and community. Mm. Mm. Wow, that's good stuff, Hilka. That is good stuff. Mm. So you make a pretty, uh, we're going to have to wind things up here in just a bit, but you make, you make a profound statement towards the end of your book, and that is, this is not a journey that you or I control. And then you talk about love, forgiving, judgment, talent, surrender, trusting, listening, caring, strength, peace, calm, and joy, and that's just to name a few. You talk about the very core of who we are, the very character um, that we can, uh, that you know, our character and the core of who we are. Then you go on in your acknowledgments to acknowledge everyone you have ever met. And then you so very graciously say to all of those people that they helped you find out more of who you really are. And I just want to say that you are on a remarkable journey, and I am so grateful and thankful that we've met and that you have spent time with uh, us today in our studio. And I just want to say now, in closing, are there any words of encouragement that you would like to offer our listening audience all over the world? Uh, Yes, which is to simply be really, really, really grateful for who we are today already and to to greet each day with the wonder of a child like what can I learn about myself today and and make it a really kind and fascinating journey whatever is happening around us really grateful to be sharing that today uh, amen thank you so I just want to mention one scripture and that is for God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of sound mind. That's found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, and that's the New King James Version. And that actually is a scripture that's presented in the very, very beginning of your book in your foreword. So with that, I just want to say, audience, taming your crocodiles, unlearn fear, and become a true leader is available to you by Hilke Faber. We had him today in our studio. And with that, I just want to say, may God bless you and keep you and make his face shine upon you and give you peace. We'll talk again in a couple of weeks. Hilke, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you.